Now it's time for Putting Down Roots. Michelle Frederick. I'm excited to welcome you to Putting Down Roots, a program highlighting creative individuals and organizations bringing something unique to Mendocino County through the arts, environmental practices, education, and beyond. Last month, we discussed community health and resilience with Jocelyn Beretta from the Botanical Bus, Megan Barbara Lende from Community Foundation of Mendocino County, and Patrice Mascolo and Molly Rosenthal from Healthy Mendocino. If you missed that show, you can find it on Spotify under KZYX Public Affairs. You can search for that. Or you can go to the KZYX Jukebox page, and they have an archive of all of the past episodes that we've done here on Putting Down Roots. We have another exciting show for you today. We're going to be talking about climate change and climate action. Our guests today are Doug Nunn, a local climate action activist, and Matt Druno from Victory Gardens for Peace and Ecology Action. All right, so we're going to jump right into things here and start with our first guest, uh, Doug Nunn. Um, and like Michelle said, he's a wonderful local climate action activist and a former teacher at Mendocino High School. Thank you so much for joining us, Doug. We're so excited to have you on again. Thank you, Phoenix and Michelle, and good to be with you, Matt. All right, so let's let's uh, start with our first question here. Um, so I know you kind of gave us some background on this in the past. Uh, Doug was on our show on, on performing arts, but can you tell our listeners who didn't hear that that episode about how you came to be in Mendocino County and how you um, ended up in Albion? Sure. Um, I um, was in the Bay Area. I had just completed my um, uh, secondary teaching credential at San Francisco State, and I was offered a job here at the Seagull Restaurant, which used to be in uh, downtown Mendo, Kitty Corner from the Savings Bank. And um, I ended up coming up in the summer of 77. And um, I fell in love with Mendocino fairly quickly. And uh, suddenly by the, that late in the year that year, I, I got involved in a land deal in Albion, uh, basically a sort of communal type situation with four other people. And um, we bought the land together and we started to do sort of back to the land homesteading type stuff. Uh, with aspirations to basically have a uh, communal type hippie commune. And um, we built the uh, thing and we're still here uh, on and off uh, mostly. And um, it, it's, it's been quite a ride. Uh, it's, it's a really beautiful little chunk of five and a half acres here in Albion. So that's how I ended up here. And I worked at the Seagull, got involved in local theater, um, ended up going back to teaching finally uh, in 1990. So I've been um, in and out of the area, but mostly here, and uh, very involved in um, uh, the local scene. Awesome, and then um, and I think it's such it's such an interesting background because a lot of people that um, a lot of the older generations in this area really they they're, or they originally came here during the during the um, back to the land movement, which truly was I think a a cultural turning point in Mendocino County. Um, and I think we're kind of seeing a second back to the land movement. A lot of young folks from cities that are deciding to move up to, here to Mendocino County in different beautiful rural and remote places. Um, 
Can you tell us a little bit about, about how you got involved with uh, climate action? Sure. I taught for um, 10 years uh, as part of the uh, School of Natural Resources at Mendocino High School. That's a program that was developed by Robert Jam Goshen, who was a biology teacher, and Bill Lemus, who was an English teacher uh, with a strong environmental sort of background. And together they put together this SONAR program, School of Natural Resources, with a, it was a team taught program, half biology, half environmental literature. And at a certain point, Bill decided to retire and I ended up taking, taking on his shoes. Bill was um, an avid outdoorsman, sort of powerful backpacker, backpacker kind of guy and so forth. And I ended up, I was more of a armchair environmentalist. <laughs> I love environmental stuff and was, was involved in sort of lots of political stuff, but I didn't have the sort of um, uh, uh, wilderness skills that Bill had. Um, having said that, I got very involved in the co-teaching of, of Sonar was that we did a lot of field work. We went out in the woods a lot. We did things like uh, we worked on salmon runs. We counted salmon to see how many would come back up Big River. We did that on a yearly basis. So I actually got to see old salmon returning way upstream in Big River and counting them and so they could lay their eggs, etc. It was extraordinary, I mean, to see basically a, a four foot fish way up at the top of Big River uh, deep inland and watching that happen. We also did a, read a lot of environmental literature. We read uh, John Muir, we read Rachel Carson, all kinds of other things. And um, it was a really interesting course. Long story short, I ended up getting um, retiring in the summer of 2017 as a teacher. And I wanted to do uh, ongoing type environmental activism stuff. And I had known about Al Gore's program, the Climate Reality Project for some years. That's what he founded when he got, uh, after he got the Nobel Prize, Peace Prize, shared it with the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change in 2007 for his work on an inconvenient truth. And so I saw that and they had ongoing trainings for people to be involved and to spread the word and to get people involved in climate change, politics, et cetera. And so I saw that when I saw an inconvenient um, sequel, which came out in 2018, I noticed that they were still recruiting people. So I signed up for that. And in the summer of 2018, I went down to Los Angeles for a week and was trained with 2000 other people. It was rather a huge training um, at the, uh, where the LA Lakers play. I can't remember what it's called, um, uh, the big complex down there in LA. And it was really interesting. There was uh, speakers, seminars. Um, Gore, Gore led the slideshows himself. He puts on a three hour version of An Inconvenient Truth that had 540 slides, um, all kinds of dire environmental disasters going on. But he also presents all these um, wonderful things that are going on that where we're turning it around. Um, in terms of energy, uh, uh, diversification, alternative energy building, et cetera. And he also talks about how the markets are changing and so on. And so given that then uh, you're told to go out and start doing slideshows, do your own version of an inconvenient truth. So I came back and I started being an ex-teacher. I started booking myself in classrooms, annoying other teachers. 
and asking, can I be part of the program? Can I come and do my presentation? And they said yes to a great extent. And I started doing that over uh, around Mendocino County. Then I started getting invited by city councils, Fort Bragg, Ukiah, Willits. I did the Mendocino Board of Supervisors in March of 2019, I believe it was. And um, they then started to uh, put together their climate action program, uh, which then came about right after that uh, presentation. So it was it was a great kind of thing. I got to be a little bit like a keynote speaker who who got the ball rolling, and then they had a bunch of uh, you know, uh, involved people from various areas. Mendocino County has a lot of powerful environmentalists, and um, that was really great. And so I've continued doing presentations. In this past year, I I sort of changed and started doing ones on uh, the politics of environmentalism and uh, what it meant in the election year. So I started doing those too. So I've been involved in a variety of other versions of the presentation uh, and including uh, kind of uh, stuff that we need to do for the future. How can we involve ourselves in, in um, other alternative uh, futures, et cetera? Wow, that's really fascinating and really inspiring to hear that you know you went to this to these presentations and then decided to take your own action and and bring that knowledge back into your community. I think a lot of people when it comes to climate change feel really overwhelmed and this is a great example of how you can feel overwhelmed but still take action and and do something to educate other people in the community to bring about change. Yeah, there are all kinds of things that we can do and 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 an ongoing way. For example, this coming Wednesday, March 31st, I guess it's the day before our show will go out, um, but there's going to be a, a demo in Fort Bragg uh, in uh, backing the new Thrive Initiative, which is a congressional bill that's coming up in both the House and the Senate Think the house might have already passed a version of it which is to put money behind a lot of aspects of the green new deal etc so there'll be a demo at 4 30 and 5 o'clock at the town hall and then in front of the city hall in fort bragg basically to support action that has to do with um us getting out there and making a difference in terms of project drawdown and things like that so there's a variety of other actions going on and I think this is an ongoing thing. We have to uh, get behind this in a way. Uh, we uh, we don't have the um, we don't have the luxury of laying around and waiting for stuff to happen. Um, what I seem to notice in terms of Washington D.C., for example, is you've got a lot of old farts sort of being in the way who who want to hold on. Guys who are older than me, even I'm 68, who are sort of holding on to yesterday forever. This is not an alternative. Um, I know Matt has a young child and I have a granddaughter who's a little over two. I would love to see her have a reasonable future environmentally. Absolutely. And something that I even talk about with my fiance is like, do we want to have kids? You know, it's a scary future if, if, if we don't take action right now. The time is the time is now. Um, and what I was really inspired by, I saw your politics of of climate um, presentation at the at a Coast Democratic Club meeting before the pandemic. What I was really what I really loved is it talked about the realities. This is 
this is what will happen if we don't take action, but it also talked about solutions, how there, there's actionable things that we can do right now to make change and make it so that it makes sense to have kids in the future and that there is a future that we can look, look forward to. Um, what are other ways that people individually, and I, and I think it's, it really has to be a combination, like corporate America needs to step up, um, but also individually we can do a lot. How do you feel as individuals we can contribute toward um, climate action? Well, you know, there's, I'm sure Matt thinks of this. I know Matt's in gardening and there's, uh, you know, you can plant different kinds of gardens, perhaps ones that don't use as much water. If you have an option to put solar uh, on your roof, for example, going along and doing that is an important thing. Um, uh, the next car that you buy, if that were to be an electric car that was really a uh, you know, a good alternative form of transportation. Those are the kind of choices that come up. They're individual choices rather than, than wasting uh, money on other things. So those are things that, that sort of roll our way and we can make those choices. And there's also, you know, supporting the political uh, movements that, that work in the direction of a better future for our children. Um, I think that there's a, a, a lot of things when they come up, make sure that people have environmental policies that are worthwhile. Um, if you, for example, if you think, well, I'm a single issue voter, I'm only interested in this. Well, actually part of the issues that should be involved are those about the future of, of our environment. Um, some of the most interesting people I talk to um, in terms of environmental scientists, I have a friend, who uh, has worked for the IPCC, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. He is from Lawrence Labs in Berkeley, recently retired. And he continues to advocate for um, uh, environmentally powerful policies. An example um, uh, he's written about extensively is, uh, if you're growing weed, grow it outdoors. Indoor growing with all of the machines and all of the, uh, lighting, et cetera, is really a rather energy intensive. And we, it, they don't call it weed for nothing. It grows easy outdoors and it grows, you can, you can still get yourself some powerful buds by growing it outdoors. So, I mean, those are choices. Those are individual choices that you can make that make a difference. Anyway, just some thoughts. Um, I don't mean to be slamming the indoor weed industry or anything, but it, it, those are sort of in energy choices that you can make. Right, and something that maybe people don't really, or people who aren't in that industry or even who are don't, don't really think about. I'm curious, when you were going to schools, what was the reaction of the students? And maybe if you could give us like a couple key points that you touched on during your presentations with them. Okay. Um, uh, when Al Gore does the basic presentation, he goes, uh, he does it, divides it into three chapters. Must we change? In other words, is the reality out there that, that the climate, that we need to do things to help decline, slow down global warming? So the must we change? And then can we change? Do we have the wherewithal? And then will we change? Do we have the political will? So given those three things, uh, pre uh, you present a slideshow that has all this evidence now, uh, the first part, must we change? There's uh, massive temperature changes, droughts, um, 
uh, huge storms that weren't there, many more hurricanes. So nowadays they're having to name them with Greek letters of the alphabet in addition to all 26 letters of the uh, Latin alphabet. And, you know, so that kind of stuff. So all these things are changing. So the ki uh, kids, overwhelmingly, students are there. Students are with you. Um, there, isn't, uh, there isn't much disagreement among young people, at least in this county. I have gone outside of, I, I did presentations in Sonoma and Marin and Contra Costa counties as well, San Francisco as well. And um, I noticed preponderant um, support for doing something. So there's that. I, occasionally, I ran into people who didn't want to know. Um, and I ran into a couple of city councils who seemed mired in the 14th century. And I, I found this exasperating. It was not from students though. Students were there, students wanna change things and they really are up for making a difference. That's super inspiring and it's uh, something that I see in my generation and, and really significantly in the generation under me and Generation Z with my sisters. They are passionate and fired up and they want to do whatever they can to make sure that there's a future. Um, so I think that's, it's, it's, it's inspiring to see. And I think, I think the fact that um, the newer generations really, they, they believe in it. They understand that it's a problem and they want to take steps to solve the problem. I think, I think it's really yeah. awesome. I yeah. I think it's great. I'm so happy that uh, you guys are doing the show. I also really like there's so many of you who are coming back to the land. The, there's a whole uh, resurgence of the back to land movement. When we talked before the show and Matt said he'd like to uh, get some land in Albion. I, I love this. This is great, you know, because it was happening for us 40, 40 plus years ago. And and I'm so glad it's happening again. It's such a big deal and it makes a big difference. We, we want it in the future to be people like Mitch McConnell to be yesterday's dust. Um, you know, we, we need you guys to push it forward. And when you see, you know, it's it, Greta Thunberg is great, but there's a lot of Greta Thunbergs out there. There's a lot of people uh, uh, your age group, uh, her age group, and a little bit older and so forth, who were really into and making a difference. And I, th I think it's terrific. Well, and we thank you, Doug, for, you know, all the work that you've done and getting your voice out into the community. I'm sure it's made a huge difference. And can you tell us you know, with this upcoming year, do you have plans for the future? I'm sure you weren't, you know, able to be going and doing in-person presentations. Um, are you hoping to, to start those up again in the future or be doing something else in order to get the word out? Yeah, I definitely want to. Um, I put out some this past year, especially leading up to the election. I did my politics of energy and I put that up on YouTube. Um, and um, that talks about, it's sort of a history of environmentalism, mostly in the United States, but, um, and then leading up to the election. So I had one out there and I do that. I plan to work on um, getting out again as soon as possible, get out physically and do it again. I would like to do more stuff on Project Drawdown uh, and talk about a lot of the realities of 
what specifically we can be doing to draw down uh, the carbon load in the atmosphere, what specifically we can be doing to uh, implement alternative energy strategies and stuff. Project Drawdown has a website, uh, I, along with Climate Reality, which I work with, and um, uh, they have a website and they have step-by-step uh, -step things that we can be doing to draw down. I highly recommend that. I'm looking now at the website up here. Um, it's uh, uh, drawdown.org slash climate solutions. And uh, they, they have a point by point thing. I'm also gonna be working uh, starting on Earth Day, which is April 22nd. I'm gonna be working again with the Climate Reality Project. There's 10 days of trainings uh, that Al Gore is leading. And I'm gonna be a mentor in that this year. I was a mentor last summer. It was great, I got sort of graduated up to being a sergeant for the organization rather than just being a buck private. So um, I got to do that last summer. It was great. It was all Zoom. Um, but I had a group of 20 students from the Carolinas, Virginia, and Kentucky. And I got to be a mentor for them. And they, we were part of like 7,000 people who were doing the training globally, which was great. And so I'm going to be doing that again starting on Earth Day for about 10 days and be involved in that too. And that should be really good. I'll try to report back uh, to you guys. I would gladly do that. And um, also on, on Facebook, et cetera. So get the word out that this is going on. Awesome. And how can our listeners um, get more information on either um, maybe doing a pre um, booking a presentation with you or working with you? You have a website, right? Yes, I do. I have um, dugnun.com. It sounds fancy.com, but... I do have a dugnon.com, so you can write me. You can also write me dnuwn at mcn.org. And I would gladly, I will gladly do presentations at this point, you know, still Zoom probably. But as soon as we can, I'm twice vaccinated. So um, hopefully I'm not harboring anything. And I could get out and do presentations as soon as possible. I have my own um I have my projector and uh, et cetera, and have slideshow will travel. <laughs> awesome. Well, Doug, thank you so, so much for joining us today. We're so grateful to have thank you. Thank you very much. Great to be part of uh, putting down roots. And I'm looking forward to hearing what Matt has to say as well. Yeah, thank you, Doug, so much. And again, for the work that you've done. And I think it's really inspiring and goes to show that it's never too late to, to get involved or to get active and, and be a voice in your community. So thank you so much. Gladly. For folks who are tuning in now, you're listening to Putting Down Roots on KZYX. And we're speaking about climate change and climate action with Doug Nunn of Hit and Run Theater, who's also a local climate action activist, and Matt Druno from Victory Gardens for Peace and Ecology Action. Matt, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you for having me. Hi, Matt, thank you for being on the show. And you were actually on our previous show, which was about the Back to the Land movement and local agriculture, uh, which was one of our earlier episodes. Could you tell us how you came to be in Mendocino County? Yeah, and thank you for having me on um, Putting Down Roots, and I really enjoyed um, Doug's part of the conversation, so thank you, Doug, and everything that you're doing. Um, yeah, I got, I think as much as I tried to make my way out 
as far west as I could get. I'm from Chicago area originally. Um, I think I was drawn out here too. Um, the spirit of the back of the land movement, the, the culture that um, really created the future that they wanted to create by outlawing GMOs and you know stopping the whaling and the, red, the redwood summer and all these wonderful things that um, the generation before me have done here really inspired me while I was in college at Iowa State studying architecture. And um, I just realized this is where things were happening and where I wanted to be. So um, that's kind of the short of it, how I ended up out here. I kind of have a similar story. I grew up in upstate New York and always had a dream of, of getting out west where people are innovating. And it's, it's the futures now in California, which I really love. Um, can you tell us about how you got involved with uh, the climate action movement? Sure. Um, when I was in school, I, I started realizing something was really wrong. Um, I graduated in 2005. Um, and about halfway through that, I almost dropped out because I kind of felt like it was hopeless uh, to just get a job and, and participate in uh, what I couldn't really agree with, which was just the larger issues um, that are being created around the world. At the time, we were um, entering into war with Iraq and a number of other things. And I was just feeling really weird about the whole global situation. And then I got into permaculture and farming and um, realizing that local food was going to be an issue. And then realizing how um, food production is, is such a huge part of the climate change discussion, um, both as a contributor to climate change, but also as a solution to climate change. And over the years, I've just been um, narrowing my focus and, and developing research and um, working towards that end of seeing how agriculture can be a solution for climate change. And can you um, tell us how you, what led you to get involved with Ecology Action and then ultimately Victory Gardens for Peace? Sure. Um, there's something inside of me that like keeps asking questions. Um, so I, I want to know how something works or why it works or you know, what's the most inarguable way to move forward? Um, um, part of that's because I've, I've probably battled with my family so much about uh, moving away from architecture and going into agriculture and uh, living with voluntary simplicity. Um, I've had to make my case so many times that I've been, <laughs> I've gotten good at it. So um, anyways, um, I love my family and they're very supportive and uh, wonderful. So yeah, um, I got involved with Ecology Action 10 years ago um, in a search for what's the most sustainable form of agriculture um, and what, what is something that, you know, what is the, the best thing that I can be a part of was what kind of drove me to keep searching um, for something to put my time and energy into. And the, the beautiful thing about when I was working for farms, um, you know, we were supplying food for people and, um, I was in the Chicago area and in Wisconsin growing on farms and, you know, we were growing a lot of vegetables um, and it was wonderful and it felt good. And, um, but I came to realize that there was a lot of people that we could not support. Um, there's people who couldn't afford our produce. There was the majority of the people, I mean, there was only so many farms in the Chicago metropolitan area and yet, you know, lots of people. So I started looking at it and realizing the suburbs were uniquely set up. Um, everyone has yards, um, water systems are all there. And um, with some changes, you know, houses could be made more efficient. And, um, people should be growing gardens. 
And uh, so I got into the gardening aspect as a powerful solution and one that really engages people directly in the solution, which I think is powerful. And I think it also allows us to connect more deeply with nature, which um, currently I feel like that's the root cause of climate change is our disconnect from um, our, our, our nature, our mother nature, our personal inner nature. And the garden is this perfect um, vehicle to connect more deeply with ourselves and with nature. So that drove me um, to look at what's the best way to grow food in a backyard in a small scale in a city. And I got into, um, you know, the permaculture aspects of it, and then specifically the biointensive component of permaculture, which is really um, biointensive can stand on its own, but it um, is basically the home garden and making that sustainable and efficient and uh, productive. And I think so many feel like, and we have so many great local sustainable farmers here, like Nye Ranch and Fortune Farms and Oz Farm, and they're awesome. But also, I think it really needs to be a combination of relying on our great local sustainable farms, also growing our own food. Um, I love kind of, I love the name Victory Gardens for Peace because it kind of connects it to like reuniting together. Victory means having having a future, you know, and having having a peaceful future. Um, can you tell us about, so Victory, you guys have a, a seed bank, right? Where people can, people can stop by and get seeds, I think for free or really affordably for their garden, for their home gardens, right? Yeah, that's correct. So as we developed our program here in Mendocino um, at the Stanford Inn, it's a partnership between Ecology Action and the Stanford Inn. Um, Stanford Inn supplies the land and, and resources for our interns and then Ecology Action, we run the programs and, and outreach. So we developed the Victory Gardens for Peace initiative. And the idea behind that is what's a replicable package, like a suite of um, initiatives that other communities can replicate um, with little cost and efficiently, and how can we develop these patterns and publish them? So the Seed Bank is one of those initiatives, and we work with community members to reintegrate seed saving into our culture, which has largely been lost. Um, but out here, there actually is a significant amount of seed savers. So that's wonderful. And um, we accept donations of people's seed. And we're basically a hub that cares for these seeds. And then we have a website, victorygardensforpeace.com, where people can um, access the seed bank. We give them a password and um, they can put in an order and then we'll send it to them for free. We do take donations to cover the cost of shipping and People have been donating generously. So even those who can't afford uh, shipping, can they don't have to feel obliged to donate. But um, yeah, we have over uh, 850 or something accessions of different seed varieties. Um, about 75 or 85% of them, somewhere between that, are grown locally here. So it's helping adapt seeds locally. It's helping bring back um, seed saving into the culture and um, increasing access to that resource. Matt, when you mention um, permaculture or biointensive farming, can you give just for our listeners a quick, a quick description of, of what those are so they can have a better understanding of what you're doing? Sure. So permaculture is really a design ethic that can be applied to any situation, uh, but it's usually towards agriculture or natural building or community projects. Um, and it's just a really smart way to to work together and um, study the way nature works and work with nature on things and integrate things so that it is efficient uh, and, and sustainable and practical. Um, 
biointensive is the old fashioned way of growing food before we had tractors, before we had fossil fuels. So um, it's based off of an amalgamation of all these different ways of growing food by hand, um, really low impact, very um, efficient, um, which we tend to think tractors are more efficient. Uh, they are in terms of requiring less people to grow the food, which is also like more efficient at kicking farmers off the land. But um, that's another issue. But the, um, you know, doing it by hand, if you, for example, if you grow an onion with a tractor uh, on average for every calorie you put in, um, into the gas tank of that tractor, you get 0.9 calories out. Um, if you grow that onion by hand for every calorie you put in, you get 39 calories. So that's one example of the efficiency. Um, and so biointensive is really based on these best practices from different cultures around the world that have learned to work with nature by hand very intimately, very intensively um, in a way that gives back more than we take. And so a permaculture farm will, will usually look like something over um, 10 acres or you know, five or maybe even 100 acres. And it's an overlay of a design um, piecing the parts together, the natural areas, um, the water, how it flows over the land. Um, the crops, you know, the different grazing areas, it'll all be integrated and it's a beautiful way to um, do that. Whereas biointensive looks at that 10 acres and it says, how can I preserve the maximum amount in nature and, and have my part, my taking of that be minimized uh, in terms of resource? And actually we figured out how to do it so that it can be a net gain in terms of fixing carbon, growing soil, um, providing food and closing that loop. Um, so a biointensive, an example we're working with here, we have a, an area in a thousand square feet that's a complete diet design for one person for a full year that grows all the compost materials and all the seeds for that um, garden. And that represents less than 2% of the water area and less than 2% of the land area that a conventionally grown mechanized diet in America would take. That's really interesting. And speaking of um, growing and planting by hand, um, there's some there's science that shows that there's there's um, like positive health outcomes that come from having your hands in the dirt in the soil and connecting with the earth. Right? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, Phoenix, that's great. I'm so glad you brought that up. You know, it's like, of course, right? Um, we come from the earth. We return to the earth. So we should have our hands in the earth. I mean, why else do we have these hands and legs than to um, work with nature and um, provide our sustenance and um, be a part of a natural living system, the biosphere and mother earth. We are a part of that. Um, so yeah, there, of course it's a nurturing experience to nurture the earth, um, to nurture that which nurtures you. And so that's a very powerful healing uh, modality that has been recognized you know, for helping people with PTSD, for helping people heal from traumas or even uh, cancers, um, sickness. There's a microbe in the soil that you get naturally inoculated with um, by working with good, healthy garden soil that um, triggers the release of serotonin in your brain. And so uh, people are usually happier who garden uh, and it helps with depression. Um, and then, of course, the health benefits of just eating healthy food as a primary form of health care. Um, but for me personally, I grew up in the suburbs and I saw um, when I moved there with my family very young, it was a beautiful oak savanna prairie. And um, 
you know, I saw that get destroyed in the 18 years that I grew up there um, to the point where there was nothing left. And that still affects me. And um, so, yeah, you know, it's this, I, for me, getting back to the garden, this kind of return to the garden um, really is, was a powerful way for me to feel like I'm a part of something rather than just this sprawling, destructive organism. And it's really made me realize that the, there's a huge potential in each of us to be the solution um, and to contribute to nature, to be a living part of this beautiful organism. And so that's a whole nother level of the health benefit of working with the earth and gardening is this feedback loop of giving to nature and getting back from nature and working with nature and each other to build a better future. Absolutely. And continuing with that, how can, you know, our listeners start taking some action or making small changes? Um, If someone says, you know, I've never gardened before, what do I do? How do I get started? Yeah, well, there's plenty of resources out there. Um, I'm really partial to how we do things with biointensive because it's focused on a whole systems approach. Um, which is a big, seems like a big idea, but it's actually very simple. There's eight basic principles of preparing the soil and transplanting and propagating and growing compost and composting and saving seeds and companion planting. So it's a nice little package. Um, all the information's out there available for free at growbiointensive.org or at victorygardensforpeace.com. We have self-teaching videos, self-teaching manuals. Um, for people who really want to get into it and work with us personally, we have Uh, workshops, three-day workshops, um, one-day workshops. We have a course series in the summer that runs from um, June to July and a second, and that's focused on the basic skill set. And then we have a second part to that course, which um, focuses on design and diet design, how to grow a complete diet and how to make a sustainable garden design. Um, That runs from uh, August until October. And we do internships and apprenticeships. So there's all sorts of ways to access the information. But I would say start small. If you want to grow a garden and figure out how um, this garden can be sustainable. And, um, you know, it's, it's a, there was a study from, I think, the University of Michigan that showed that the average carbon footprint of our diets is 4,000 pounds. Or no, I'm sorry, four tons. So 8,000 pounds per person per year. So by growing a garden, if you grew half of your food, um, you would cut that to two tons. And that's a huge, um, that's a huge <laughs> cut in your carbon footprint. And if everyone did that, we would really accelerate um, this transition. Um, so yeah, starting small with the garden and figuring out, um, you know, work with us, we'd be happy to give you seeds, give you information. It's all free. If you want to take a course, we'll be happy to work with you on that level too. But your backyard is a great place to start and starting small so you don't overwhelm yourself um, and just keep it real. Yeah, and I think the pandemic has shown us, I think, I think a lesson is small and beautiful localism is essential. We need it. It's like we've all seen we can't rely on global supply chains. Um, the pandemic has completely rocked so many levels of our economy and production systems. But if we rely on our local communities to source our food, we'll not only support local businesses and support each other, but support a future um that's bright, a future that we can all, and I, I, when we've talked in the past, you've talked about kind of holding hands to step down. We, there's a cliff, climate change, it's a cliff. And if we don't take action, we're going to fall off the cliff and it'll be terrible. But 
The alternative is that we hold hands, take action together, and walk down into that fertile valley, which could could be the future. Um, and you, so you all also have a, um, you were mentioning some of the programs that you offer. You have a Garden Corps program as well, right? Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the Garden Corps program is, is kind of modeled after Peace Corps and AmeriCorps. This idea um, William James set out in the early 1900s of, of figuring out how there's this energy that people get behind war um, and rally and, and, and patriotism to defeat an enemy and he figure out he's trying to figure out how can we access tap into that same energy but put it towards something good rather than killing each other and destroying our environment um, which war is one of the most destructive things and if we don't figure out how to localize and we don't figure out how to draw down like um, Doug was saying um, the result will be war we'll be fighting over resources and that will be the end game um, so we can't get to that point and that's why we have victory gardens for peace whereas victory gardens in the past were for war to end the war um, we're trying to be proactive towards peace and, and avert that through localization efforts. Garden Corps is the one of the initiatives that we've made that's replicable that um, trains people in the suite that we offer in terms of how do you create a resource hub that has a seed bank, that has all this information, that makes all this accessible to your community, and how do you, and we train those people in community service um, and how to pass a resolution that gets support from their community, that organizes the community. That's what we call the garden-friendly community resolution, which we passed in Fort Bragg in 2019. And that's kind of been our, the way we've been developing this whole program is this real-world example of how does this work, um, which we can now teach from with Garden Corps. And so Garden Corps is really meant to um, train small teams that can go into other communities and replicate this similar to what um, Doug's up to with the climate change effort with the Al Gore stuff. And how do you replicate these things? You know, it's not enough that I personally feel like it's not enough that I just sit at home um, and, and think about these things. I want to figure out how, how do we move forward quickly because time's closing in on this window of opportunity um, before things get really tight. And I think we're going to make it. I think we're going to go down into that valley and realize the beauty and simplicity of working together and, healing the earth. I mean, that there's such a beautiful potential that can come out of all of this. You know, all of this talk of climate change and these challenges ahead, um, the potential for us to all unite and not defeat a common enemy, but work towards a better future um, where there's enough for everybody, including nature. And what better thing to work towards? Um, what's more appropriate in this time? I don't know. Mm-hmm. You've also helped start a community garden in Fort Bragg, which is a really big deal. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so we passed the garden-friendly community resolution in 2019 um, with the agenda that you know this would be would help organize the community and kickstart, bring the the governments and the businesses and the people together to kickstart a community garden movement that would be supported by um, everybody. So. The result to that was the city gave us a parcel of land um, at CV Star Center to start a community garden, which we're, I've been out there building the raised beds for um, recently. And um, it's just an exciting, amazing project. And if anyone's interested in getting a plot, um, you can email matt at victorygardensforpeace.com or you can email gfcgardensfortbrag at gmail.com. Um, 
Yeah. And so we were also working with um, Paul Katzif and Joan Katzif at Thanksgiving Coffee, and we're going to um, reinvigorate that community garden there. And we've been talking with a few other people who are interested in um, contributing land and resources to establishing more community gardens. So um, that's, that's been a really fun thing to do. And we've got a, a wonderful board of volunteers. It's all a volunteer effort. And um, the energy behind it has just been so uplifting. And I think that's the other benefit to working towards when you realize the, the potential in all these um, solutions to just to start doing them and to, to do what we need to do. I think we'll all find that um, what might seem like a big challenge in front of us you become energized when you feel we're all working together and you, you, it really, you realize you're a part of a community that cares and that we're all going to make it. We have all the tools we need. We don't need any fancy technology or inventions or anything. We have it all right here. And each of us is the solution in that. So um, yeah, the community garden work has just been just such an uplift and a joy to be a part of. And anyone who wants to be a part of it, volunteer, um, work with us in any sort of way, you can just email us at gfcgardensfortbragg.com. Yeah, and just, just really quick, I think, I think the community element is really essential and going back to that, back to localism, um, the more we are connected to each other and have empathy for each other and work together, the more we, we kind of move away from that idea of rugged individualism and kind of being selfish and only taking care of yourself, the more we work together, I think the more we can birth and have a, have a, have a bright future together. On your own, you're one person. You can only do so much. But the more we join together, hand in hand, to make change, I think the better. Um, Matt, thank you so, so much for joining us. We're so happy to have you on the show. Thank you, Phoenix. And it's a pleasure to speak with you guys. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you, Doug. Yeah, thank you, Matt. And um, like Matt said, if you want more information, you can go to victorygardensforpeace.com where you can find out more information about the community gardens in Fort Bragg and also about their upcoming Garden Corps program, which starts in June. So there's still time to register for that. And thank you again, Doug and Matt, for all your work for our community and for being with us today. Thanks a lot. It's also, it's great to meet, uh, hear Matt talk. Um, it, it's very inspirational. And uh, I, it's really great. I, I am going to li listen to people in Albion. If there's anybody who has land for sale, I know who to contact Matt. <laughs> it's great. And I really like the show. You guys are doing great, Phoenix and Michelle. Thank you so much for having this as, as part of KZYX's offerings. Uh, thank you so much. Y'all are the best. It's always, it's always fun to we just get to meet so many incredible people doing this show. So again, we're so grateful yeah. to have, for having that y'all were able to come on today. And yeah, thank you so much uh, for folks that are just tuning in now. You're listening to Putting Down Roots here on KZYX. Um, we've been talking about climate change and climate action with our wonderful guests, Doug Nunn and Matt Truno. Uh, thank you again to our guests for joining us. It's been uh, so incredible to learn more about the work you, you all are doing to support uh, climate action locally right here in our community. Uh, a quick announcement, the state of California is currently offering grants up to $25,000 and these are open to for-profit and also nonprofit uh, small businesses. More information, you can go to careliefgrant.com. That's careliefgrant.com. Uh, for support with the grant process, you could reach out to West Center uh, locally, and they provide really good, really good help on that. 
And join us on May 1st at 3 p.m. for our next show focusing on local curiosities and hidden gems. If you want to hear our show from today, please check out kzyx.org and go to the jukebox page. And you can also find KZYX on Spotify under KZYX Public Affairs. And if you have an idea for a topic that you'd like us to feature, or if you'd like to be a guest on our show, please send us a message to our Instagram account. And the, the handle for that is puttingdownroots.kzyx. That's puttingdownroots.kzyx. Or if you're not on Instagram, you can send us an email. Uh, my email address is phoenix. That's P-H-O-E-N-I-X at evolvedgrowthstrategies.com. Uh, we're always looking for new new uh, ways to highlight the creative individuals and organizations that bring so much life and vitality to our region. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Thank you, everyone. And we'll look forward to speaking with you next month about local curiosities and hidden gems. And thank you again to our guests. Have a great day. You too. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> If you enjoyed this podcast, you can go to kzyx.org to find more shows and content like this one. While there, you can stream us live or check out our jukebox. And if you like what you hear, consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. We are Mendocino County Public Broadcasting, listener-supported community radio. KZYX, Philo, 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Woolits and Ukiah, 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. Thanks for listening. Where there's all oh, so much pain